Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Major League Baseball postseason tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last minute tickets. A wild one in Starkville. The party continues in Starkville. It's a pleasant lad from Starkville. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball and especially postseason baseball for The Athletic. And as always, I am joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. And Doug, we find ourselves in the middle of a wild first week of the postseason. Just curious, man. I know how my week's gone. How many hours have you spent inside the studios of ESPN, pal? Like a thousand? Oh, I don't know. But um, it seemed like I saw the sun come up, go down, and come up again at some point. I don't I don't know. It might have been another monitor I was looking at. So, uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's full on. Hockey season started. So we're, I'm dealing with Barry Melrose and company. So... Yeah, it's 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 been busy and uh, it's been a lot of fun though. It's like the the chaos is just vintage postseason baseball. It, it is now. Uh, just just so we clear this up, is Barry Melrose watching any of these baseball games with you, or is he just totally focused on the? Bucks? No, he's like a he's a baseball fan. I I want to say the Blue Jays is his squad, but he uh, <clears throat> he he yeah he's he's into it. He's always asking questions, although he's. The, like the sole hockey analyst, so he's watching like twelve monitors at once. So I don't know how he does it, but uh, but we we sneak in some conversations. So yeah, he knows his stuff. Don't sleep on Barry. Right. Yeah, I've always lo- I always loved uh, hanging out at that green room at ESPN and the people who would wander in to start talking baseball with you. It was amazing, <laughs> amazing. Uh, all right, so let me let me tell you about my life because <laughs> as we tape this, uh, I am in Tampa Bay getting ready to head for the TROP. Uh, There will be actual human beings in the TROP tonight, Tuesday night, rooting for the Rays, uh, occupying the long-lost upper deck. You know, they rolled back the tarps. No telling what was underneath those tarps. They hadn't been rolled back in three years, (laughs) right? But it's game four, the division series coming up, Rays, Astros, and Doug, look, you know how much I love October, so this is not a complaint about anything. But I just thought people might be interested, for some reason, in the craziness of my life this time of year. All right, so I'm in Tampa Bay today. Where am I going next? I have no freaking <laughs> idea. My, seriously, my next flight could take me to one of five different places. I could go to Houston. There's a game five. Or then I'm going to the NLCS, so it could be L.A., it could still be Atlanta, it could be St. Louis. Any of those cities could host game one. I could possibly go home for a day. <laughs> I, I have no plane reservations anywhere. I do have like 50 hotel reservations. Like, how would you like to be my 
travel agent, pal. Could I possibly pay you enough to do that job? Yeah, you, you could. Um, I'd have to get a certain percentage. <laughs> uh, all the last minute travel can't possibly be cheap. So I, I would definitely uh, thrive on that one. Uh, but yeah, as long as I'm going to baseball <laughs> games, I'm good. I'm good to go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, d- again, just so people know how this works. Uh, I know I'm covering the postseason, uh, you know, weeks ago, months ago. I don't know where I'm going. So I start making hotel reservations in August for every conceivable place I could wind up. And so at one point, uh, I actually got contacted by our travel department at the Athletics saying, hey, uh, we have 32 different hotel <laughs> reservations for you in October. <laughs> Can that be right? <laughs> You know, they must have thought somebody hacked into the system, started picking random cities and reserving rooms for me. (laughs) So I I told them, I'm just trying to get out in front of the hotel crush before everyone else is trying to book the same hotels. And they said, oh, good job. Now, are these refundable, by the way? Or, you know, how does that work if you... Yeah, everything's everything's refundable. Of course it is. Uh, I got to sneak and get you one on Mars or something just to see what would happen. Is there like a Holiday Inn Mars? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's Is there like a – there should be like a hotelmars.com, you know, last-minute bookings on so Mars. I'm going to be way I'll ahead. Check of, that out. I'm going to be way ahead of Martian landing. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's my deal. Um, I made all the reservations. Now comes the part where I actually have to live it. It's, it's a crazy month, October. Uh, I won't be leading the league in sleep. I refer to October as National Sleep Deprivation Month. We live up to that, but we get to see great, legendary stuff. So what the heck, right? You like who would want to trade places with me? Everybody. Am I right, Doug? Uh, absolutely. It's it's a blast. I mean, and yeah, you think about the traveling secretaries of these teams. Like, where are we going to go if we win? A lot of if then statements. Uh, my my math yes. mom would be very proud. Very proud. <laughs> no, no doubt. All right, now let's get started. For those of you who are new to Starkville, now that we're available uh, at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, uh, I, I found us at TuneIn the other day. Everywhere podcasts are sold, here's how this works. We divide up the podcast into innings. We start every inning with a trivia question. Uh, you can find the first four innings of our podcast everywhere, all those places, iTunes, Spotify, Tune in all your favorite podcast platforms, but we also have bonus innings available on the Athletic app and the Athletic website. Plus, we update our fabulous stupid baseball bet. Now, the stupid postseason baseball bet is in effect. Uh, So if you want to keep listening to all that and get a 40% discount on a subscription to The Athletic, just click on the link where you found us in the first place. Everybody understand all that? Awesome. Now let's play our game. All right, Doug, here's your first inning question, and it's not too easy. Okay, the the poor Minnesota Twins have now lost 16 consecutive postseason games. That's a record. Uh, 13 of those 16 uh, have been against the Yankees. That's a record. So... I want you to name the team that used to hold the record for the most consecutive postseason losses. And then I'm going to ask you a bonus question. Okay. Um, I I may know this, (laughs) I think. it's So I'm going to say 
the California Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, sponsored by Disney, uh, 45 minutes outside of LA. <laughs> okay, that's your final Angels. answer. That's it, it's a it's a good guess. It's yes. not correct. Uh, it's not even in the top five. But oh. the the answer is the uh, the Boston Red Sox. Believe it or not. Um, Starting with mm. that Bill Buckner game in 1986, and then running through 1995, they lost 13 postseason games in a row. But they recovered nicely. That should come Ouch. as solace to the to the Twins. Yeah. <laughs> and then here's the bonus question, Doug. There is one other franchise in the four major sports that has also lost 16 consecutive postseason games. What is that team? I'm going to give you a hint. It's a hey. hockey team. Hockey, okay. Because <laughs> I was I was going to go NFL or something, but hockey makes sense. Series. Uh, oh wow. Um, how about the? Wow. Let's see. The, it's, this is hard. It's not the you're going to get Maple this. Maple Leafs. T- All right, Toronto. Oh, uh, just guess. Is it, it's is it a New York? It's, it's a New York, no. isn't it? It's no, no, it's not. Okay. No, it's so the. I'll uh, just say, yeah, the the Calgary Flames. <laughs> you just like <laughs> saying the Calgary Flames, I know, but it's the it's actually the Chicago Blackhawks, nineteen seventy nine to I'm sorry, nineteen seventy five to nineteen seventy nine. Also lost sixteen in a row. And Doug, let's Ouch. talk about the Twins and Yankees. Okay, to start with the Twins here because I, I, does this does our October road always have to go through the Bronx? This is like the 21st century version of what used to happen to poor Doris Kearns Goodwin and her beloved boys of summer Dodgers back in the 1950s. They'd get their hearts broken every year by the Yankees. Ken Burns got lots of programming out of this. <laughs> so, yes. Hey, I, I, I have a thought. Do you think baseball should introduce a rule that gives teams one opportunity, say, every century to opt out of the traditional seating and say, no, 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 no. We are not playing that team in the first round. We're using our opt out and we'd like to play. How about the Tigers? Okay, (laughs) we want to play the Tigers in the first round. So what do you think? Do you like this idea? Oh, I, I mean, I love it. Like kind of a almost like a mulligan. I mean, well, what if you're able to play the series and then say, no, 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 forget it. I didn't like that. And <laughs> right, we can't able do, to that. do it again. Can't, yeah, I can't do it. Um, yeah, it, time I mean, travel maybe. Yeah, it'd be, be, it'd be cool just to see what happens. But yeah, the, the twins need to avoid New York at all costs. Uh, it's just, This is not not a good situation for them. <laughs> and although it spans like generation, like Rocco Baldelli, was he even born when the streak started? I mean, I don't even know. I mean, was, it is, yeah. uh, it's, it's, yeah, he's born. Okay. I mean, this is uh, <laughs> something that it's pure ownership. And, uh, but I guess the sweetness in it is that if you ever finally break this, sort of like the Red Sox beating the Yankees down 3 0, it, it is like a thousand times sweeter. So you got to hang in there. 101 wins. You got to still give the Twins some love. The Yankees are really that good. So that's, a, <laughs> they probably should beat you three games in a row. But yeah, you, you need to be able to opt out. You know, maybe yeah, once I don't know, even maybe more than once a century. Every every like fifty years or generation, you just yeah, get to you, say, nah, we're gonna play the Royals. <laughs> You'd have to choose wisely. Now you only get one chance to do it, even if it's every fifty years. True. Now 
16 postseason losses in a row. I've been contemplating that because it's just crazy. Uh, they moved to Minnesota from Washington in 1961. Never once in all those years have they lost 16 regular season games in a row at any point, but they've lost 16 postseason games in a row. And, and here is what is, what's so cruel about October. Don't you think that people who haven't paid any attention to the Twins are looking at that team now and saying, how'd that team win 101 games? Um, and I feel badly about that. But when I look at that series, now from afar, I didn't cover it, I really wondered, and I'm not alone, I think, if, if the Twins approached it with the sense of urgency you would expect in October. Just for example... Starting America's favorite Uber driver, Randy Dobnak, in Game 2 at right. Yankee Stadium, it had all the makings of a wonderful story. And I know there were extenuating circumstances that led to that decision, but can you find yourself in that position and expect to win a postseason series against the Yankees? Well, no, you you can, and and you know, and this is no disrespect to you know Uber drivers. In that, I lived off of Uber in Chicago, I, <laughs> and I, I gave five stars across the boards. You know, it's yeah. Um, I yeah, I just don't. I, I yeah, I, I don't understand how they were so shorthanded on such a you know, epically major series that's coming up in a year that was a hundred and one wins deep. I mean, look, they they beat up on some teams that were not very good in their division, but they. They still, you still can say they beat who they were supposed to beat. I mean, that you, you deserve credit for that. So, uh, the way they were able to construct their, their pitching, and I know they lost Pineda and the, the suspension and all these things, but yeah, to just happens. be that shorthanded, yeah. And and you know, and I think part of it is the confidence that today's teams have in analytics to a certain degree. The postseason is an entirely different animal now than the regular season, and you feel that you can slide in an opener or do something tricky. And if this guy can get past an inning or two, then that's victory. Uh, so it's not as, it's not like in the eighties, say, oh, okay, this guy's going to go eight innings. We're going to put Dobnak out there. They think if they can get two, three innings out of this guy and not be down 10, nothing, you might be able to do something. And with their bullpen, you know, they've had some, they had some guys that were you know pretty good this year that they, you know, that they could depend on to be a bridge. I mean, Duffy uh, was, you know, Tyler Duffy, who was terrible in this series. And he's a guy that actually was really incredible this season, 12 strikeouts per nine. So, uh, you know, so it's not totally off the grid to think you can sneak someone by on that one time around situation. Like, okay, they don't know who this driver is, the super guy. He's a mystery. He has a pretty good sinker. Uh, they might not figure him out really quickly. And by then I'm going to slip in Duffy and these other guys. I think that was the thinking. So from a modern today standard, I can see how they can think, they can get away with it, but um, it seems like you'd need a better backup plan, and they, they just flat out didn't have one. Yeah, you know, the stage got big for some of those guys, some of those relievers, <clears throat> and that happens. It definitely happens at Yankee Stadium. I've, I've seen it with my own eyes many times. Um, but, I mean, looking at those two teams also, it's just a reminder that one thing that money buys, the Yankees' money, is depth. And the Yankees do depth better than anybody, but you've got to survive this season. And the Yankees, because of that depth, were they were ready for the moment, ready for the stage, ready for that series. Twins just weren't there. And the other thing, Doug, is how good are the Yankees? 
The big worry going in seemed like it was going to be the rotation. They showed you how they're going to map this out. They got no length out of the rotation, but their starters only gave up a total of four runs in the three games. And with their bullpen, why would they even care about length? Is this a formula that they can ride to the parade floats? Well, I'll tell you, this time and this era, it suits them well or suits any team well that doesn't quite have the rotation. That, you know, if you can have a bullpen, and we see the numbers of bullpens, which are, it's epically, historically horrible this year, right? All the blown saves. And so if you can have a strong bullpen that can last more than five innings, right, can really bridge a short start then they are in, a, in a, actually a decent position to do well. I had a conversation, uh, and I can't remember who I was talking to, uh, might have been Tim Kirch and others, and they were saying, you know, you, you almost need two different managers. You need a manager for the regular season, and then you need a manager for the postseason and the wild card. It's a, it's a totally different <laughs> flavor. It's like all it in. Is. You know, look what the Nationals are doing. So uh, the, the, the Yankees, one thing that the Yankees starters did do that you have to give a lot of credit with for – is they exploited the Twins' lack of discipline. The, they hit a ton of home runs. Yes, they set records, but they were they had a high chase percentage. They were 21st in baseball in chasing balls right. out of the strike zone. And the Yankees, Tanaka literally threw all these pitches out of the zone and didn't throw hardly any fastballs because the Twins could not make adjustments. To me, that was the poster of why the Twins could not figure out the Yankees on the offensive side and and most of the math tells you home runs are going to be king in the postseason, and they they still are. But the ability to neutralize home runs could actually prevail in this postseason, and that's what makes me interested in what the Yankees can do. Right. Is somebody going to neutralize them is the question, but we'll, yeah. we're going to find out. Yeah. All right, Doug, time for your second inning question. Garrett Cole struck out 15 Rays in Game 2 of the Division Series. Only two pitchers in history have ever had more strikeouts than that in a postseason game. Can you name them? All right. So, I'm going to go Bob Gibson. That's correct. 17 of them in Game 1 of the World Series, 1968. Legendary game. And I'm going to go Tim Lincecum of the San Francisco Giants. Oh, that's a wonderful name to throw out there, but it's not the correct name. The answer ah. is Kevin Brown. Kevin 1998 Brown. Division Series Game 1. Um, Kevin Brown. Good times. <laughs> Very right. nice. He was nasty. Yeah, so, yeah, he was. All right, so yeah, you hit against Kevin Brown, right? <laughs> Yeah, sinker. I he threw three sinkers to me the first time I faced him, and I started up on my legs. I squatted for the second one, and I was on my knees on the third one. I did hit it up into the <laughs> ground, and then I had to get up and stand up, and then run to first. I was like, yeah, "What kind of sinker is this? Throwing ninety-seven with that kind of movement? It's it was ridiculous." And, and he scouted you every second too, didn't he? Oh, every every he time was a, he was a scowler. scowler. But enough, Kevin. Yeah, enough Kevin Brown talk. Let's talk about Rays and Astros because that's a series I'm covering. Uh, I've got a great Garrett Cole question for you later. But let me ask you first about the decision that A.J. Hinch made after the Astros lost game three. And that was to start Justin Verlander 
in game four on short rest. Now, he didn't have to do that. He had a perfectly reasonable alternative. Could have started Jose Urquidy. Uh, it's a rookie starter, made a big impression on them, had a 1-5-0 ERA in September. Um, so if A.J. Hinch goes down the Jose Urquidy highway and wins, then the Astros have Verlander and Cole lined up to start games one and two against the Yankees in the ALCS. But now, Justin Verlander pitches. That's not an option anymore. And so it feels like that would seemingly potentially at least hurt their chances in the next round. So starting Verlander on short rest, is that what you would have done if you were A.J. Hinch? I mean, the Astros have so many pitching options. And um, so I'll say, I'll say yes. I think Verlander can find a way to be effective on three days. I don't know what his three-day rest history is. You want to know the answer to that? Uh, he, yeah. He's only started one game in his career on three days rest, but that was after a one. That was a, after a postseason game that got rained out after one inning. So it's not like he's never started ever on short rest after a full start. Got it? Right. Uh, yeah. And he did so pitch think, in relief once on short rest. Yes. Well, I think it's just how you're set up in the LCS. I mean, so for example, all right, whoever starts game two, like Cole, is going to be on full rest on game five, like Jack Flaherty, right? So, and right. they're home. So, so Cole goes, all right, so let's say Verlander doesn't win and they go back to Houston and Cole's pitching game five and they win that. Now, when does the LCS start? Starts Saturday, right? No, yeah, it does. Saturday. Okay. So, how many days rest would that be? So, Verlander. Okay, could, so. So what would yeah. have to happen is Grinky game right. one at that point, then Verlander right. game two, and Cole game three. So like instead of having right. Verlander Cole lined up fresh on extra rest games one two, now you've used them both just to survive, and you have to start the, the next round with Grinky. Yeah. So basically, you're you're saying, well, I could you know. It's execution by guillotine, you know, axe or whatever, rolling off of a hill from the 12th century. I mean, does it matter? Granky? I mean, they, they, that's why they got Granky, right? It, it, it kind of doesn't matter. Or Granky's number one in this series. He's number two in that one, number three in that one. I mean, he wasn't I, yeah, very and, good in game three. He, well, he wasn't good, but he, he's never pitched in like the Rays. Like the Trop is he his hates, nemesis, right? Hates so the we'll. we'll he doesn't have to go back there. So I would think that <laughs> Granky is still one of the elite pitchers in baseball. So it's kind of like throwing up a deck of cards and saying, eh, all right, I'll start Cole today. So I, I think that's a, a decent reason to just see if Verlander uh, can go on short rest. And it's an experiment you could test out later and possibly in the World Series or some other round. All right. So, okay. So, I mean, I, I think that's all, re that's all well-reasoned. Here's the real reason, <laughs> okay, is – once you start thinking about the next game or the next round or anything down the road in the postseason, you're focused on all the wrong things. The, man the only thing the manager should ever be thinking about ever is right now. Let's win this game today right now. Um, and – you know, it's it's not what managers do all year long. I mean, but it goes back to your little 
quip about how you should have a regular season manager and a postseason manager. The best managers get it. All that matters in October is win tonight. And the, the managers who start thinking about the big picture or the long term or tomorrow or I got to save this guy, or that's, that's how you get in trouble in October. So I admire A.J. Hinch, right decision, right yeah, and, well, and and you can afford to think now when you, all your nows are that good, you know, like that. I mean, I'm saying like, all right, find this rookie rookie guy, but that, I mean, that's that's the beauty of Houston, right? They they have an ability to be short term and long term because they have, like, you, as you talked about the Yankees, they have so much depth. You could start a guy like who, like, if the Yankees started a, a Dobnak, an Uber driver, say, they would they probably would have figured it out. They probably wouldn't find, you know, like it, it's just so. So that is the luxury they have, and that to, to me is one reason why they're so so good, so good. Yes, exactly. And that brings me back to Garrett Cole. Uh, here's my question: That 15 strikeout game in Game Two that was about as dominating a postseason pitching performance as I've ever witnessed live. 33 swings and misses? Seriously? With four different pitches? Holy crap. I asked Kevin Kiermeyer the Rays about it afterwards. He said, I'm glad everybody's not like that, or I'd have to find something else to do for a living. I'd go and try and kick field goals or something. <laughs> I think he meant it. <laughs> so it, it got me to thinking about the most dominating pitching performances I've ever seen in a postseason game. I, I, I came up with four without even really thinking hard. Uh, Roy Halladay's no-hitter, number one, just because the third inning that day, we were looking at each other saying, oh, my God, he's going to pitch a no-hitter. Okay. <laughs> then, speaking of Halladay, the, the Roy Halladay-Chris Carpenter duel in the, uh, the, you know, the, the winner-take-all game five in the 2011 Division Series, it was a one nothing game. Uh, the, the, the only run of the game scored before either team made an out. Both those guys emptied the tank. And if you go look at their careers after that postseason, neither of them was ever the same again. It was epic. Um, and then Josh Beckett in Yankee Stadium to close out the 2003 World Series was unreal. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> One more. I forgot. Madison Bumgarner in 2015, the entire thing. I saw their whole run from the wild card game to, to pitching in relief in game seven. That was amazing. I'm in awe of what that guy did. So those are, those would be all like the ones that just popped out at me. What about you? Your most memorable postseason pitching performance you've ever seen. Wow. I mean, I, I just, can't get off the Jack Morris performance. I mean, you know, especially in the context of today, right? This guy goes 10 innings. He kicks his manager <laughs> off the mound. <laughs> we, right. He's like, turn around and go back to the deck. <laughs> and it's like, you know, rip the ball out of my hands. 126 some odd pitches. This guy was, you know, and, and, and game seven. Game seven. So at home. I mean, I, 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 you know, Against John Smoltz. I mean, this is, yeah, this was, so yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's a great point. That just sort of in isolation when it's like, here's the ball, you do your thing, we're riding your back and nothing, and you're, and you are going to determine that nothing else is going to get in the way and then you deliver. Uh, that, that was just definitely one of the best all time. 
Yeah, that was that was epic. It was epic. <laughs> uh, I was there that night, and I'll just never forget the feeling in the building. The feeling is like the zeros mounted inning after inning, and Jack Morris kept going out there. Oh, it was on. It was just an amazing thing to witness. Well, net and that hey, that's game. We're not going to see that again, and that's one of the reasons that I brought up that. Halliday Carpenter won nothing game because those kinds of duels, I really wonder if we will see their likes again. Doug, let's go to the third inning question. Strasburg, first four postseason starts, 34 strikeouts. Uh, Only three other starting pitchers had 30 strikeouts or more in their first four postseason games. Want to take a shot? Wow. Well, did we name it? Well, let's try Justin Verlander. Uh, He is not one of them. Okay. Let's try Tim Lincecum again. He is not one of them. (laughs) We did Uh, mention one of these guys earlier. Bob Gibson. (laughs) Bob Gibson's number one. Yep. All right. That's good. 41. Nice. Oh wow! Um, strikeouts. Let's see. I mean, did how, how many points right. in the game? And Nolan here, here, Ryan throwing Tom Seaver. Yeah, no, it's not him. All right, these two guys both made their name as Cubs. Did that help you? As Cubs, like John Lester? Not John Lester. Right, okay. You, <laughs> right, you, 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 uh, Kerry right, Wood. You, Kerry Wood's Mark, one of them. Mark Pryor. <laughs> Mark Pryor oh, Pryor's not one of them. More recent than him. Oh, oh! So they're both Cubs, like not Fergie yeah. Jenkins or anything. Okay, so you're no, recent. Recent. Okay. Recent. I don't know who's good over there. I don't know. <laughs> He's not like, there now, but oh, okay. <laughs> See, there you go. Think about think about when they won the wild card game. Come on, you can do this, Doug. All right, my brain. My I don't do well with obvious information. <laughs> We've learned that this entire <laughs> all show. All right, we're, okay. <laughs> ah, sound the buzzer. This, this is this is over. We got to move on. Jake Arietta is the answer. Oh, that's right, Remember Jake that? the Snake. Remember that guy, he was, yeah, pretty, he was good. pretty good. Yeah, he won. He won that wild card game and stole a base. That <laughs> was incredible. All right, uh, Strasburg and Scherzer. I, I think it's pretty clear now, Doug, how the Nationals think they are going to win this series and win the World Series. They're just going to pitch those two guys in every game. <laughs> like that, that's that's not not humanly possible, obviously, but. Uh, as we speak, they played 45 innings in the postseason. Those two guys had pitched 22 of them, and now they have Strasburg lined up to to start game five. So by the end of the division series, Strasburg and Scherzer will have pitched more than 50% of all the innings by the Nationals. Is that how you would handle it if you were managing that team? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yes, it's, it's like their bullpen was historically bad this year, historically bad. Um, they, and they've been bad this postseason and as has pretty much all the bullpens, quite frankly, other than maybe the Yankees. So yes, this is, this was, this is, goes back to that point about you need a different manager in the postseason and they, Dave Martinez and the Nationals front office and Analytics were very smart about this. Your bullpen is your weakness. We have to avoid the bullpen as much as possible in high leverage situations. You, you use them only to bridge certain things, and then you hand the ball to Scherzer in the eighth. Is once again high leverage. 
and then you rely on who the hot hand is, Hudson or somebody else. That, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And Strasburg and Scherzer have delivered. Uh, my only concern, and this goes back to your point about you have to play today. But long term, it is, it's a little concerning about you know, the health of those guys, right? That, we've seen a lot of stories, whether it's Oral Hershiser or you know, Brendan Morrow or guys that have pitched in these uh, you know, seven games. 2018 Red Sox. Right. Like guys don't really recover. Um, yeah, exactly. Who was the, the Red Sox guy who um, came well, in? Sale. Yeah, uh, yeah well, what are their whole the, team? Right. Basically, they're basically their whole team, right. Evaldi, uh, Evaldi, Sale, yeah, Evaldi, Evaldi David Price. Yeah, Evaldi, exactly. Yeah. So so there is, there's that. And But yes, if you're trying to win today and you're Washington Nationals, this is exactly, exactly what you do. And it's working pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I understand the long-term concerns, but I, I give both those guys credit because they totally understand what these games are, what they mean to them, what they mean to their teammates, what they mean to the legacy of the franchise. And they're, they're going to do what it takes. It, this, is, this is what makes October so awesome is that humans do superhuman things. And it's been really cool to watch. Well, you know yeah, what else is really cool to watch? Yeah. The the Ryan Zimmerman home run oh, in game four. Yes. Just one of the best moments of the postseason, don't you think? Totally. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, look, 2017, he had a great year. He had a great year, but he's had injuries. He's kind of been on the, you know, kind of the back burner. You know, all kinds of problems, but he keeps finding a way. And, you know, he didn't play a whole lot this season. But, you know, if there's a franchise player, which they certainly designated by the contract, uh, it's Ryan Zimmerman and just kind of held it together through every aspect of what we just spoke about in the struggles of the Nationals to win the clinching game, to win the big game, getting knocked out, the Cubs, the Dodgers, everybody has found ways to knock them off. And they finally win this wild card game, and he gets a hit in that game. I mean, so it's it, he he embodies the the Nationals' plate to date, and the fact that they're turning around. I mean, look, Strasburg too. Remember what happened to him, right? They cut his innings, and he didn't get the pitch. They shut him down right before the postseason, and that was oh, a hugely controversial. <laughs> oh yeah, hugely controversial. But also, like, you may never get there again. You may never get that again. Get there again, and the opportunity. That someone just said, hey, you know, for, you know, I understand the reasoning, but it's like, you can't, they don't grow on trees. I, I was in the postseason once in my entire career, right. and it was after I got traded to the Cubs. So you don't know that it may come back around. So for him to do what he's doing is such a important, uh, you know, reverberation, right, <laughs> of like, I'm bouncing this back at you and showing that I am prime time and, and, this is going to pay off for our organization. So uh, this, there's a lot of great stories in the Nationals camp right now. I, I agree. And, you know, October is an opportunity to write scripts, to rewrite scripts, uh, to, to, you know, it defines seasons, it defines careers, it defines legacies, it defines franchises. Uh, and, you know, the Nationals have been so scarred now by their trips to the postseason with such great teams that everybody gets it. And this might be, you know, just to touch on Ryan Zimmerman for one more second. He's the original national, their first draft pick. Uh, he's been there from beginning to end. 
you know, very possibly his final season as a national or playing for anybody. And to have that moment, God, I, I, I love that, I have to admit. Uh, we'll talk more about the Dodgers next week, win or lose. Uh, I, I think we agree they're the best team with the best roster in the National <laughs> League. But is it possible they could get Strasburg and Scherzer to out of this tournament? I think <laughs> <Yes>. it is. <laughs> Definitely right? is. I mean, all these pitchers are becoming verbs. What's up with that? Verlander, the Rays got <laughs> Verlander, Cold, Strasburg, Scherzer. It's, uh, it's fascinating. We, we need to call Webster's after we get off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Cash, he changed the whole uh, langu- language, the whole lingo in one quote. Love that. Uh, all right. Time for this week's listener question. And we love that because it allows you, our favorite listeners, to be a part of this podcast. It's your 15 seconds of fame. And I'll tell you how you can do that in a moment. Uh, But the idea of the question is you submit a question, then the newly elected mayor of Starkville, Cam, decides (laughs) this question will definitely stump me. It'll definitely stump Doug. And it'll provide a fun topic for us to kick around. So here comes this week's killer question. Uh, It comes uh, via Twitter from not just a loyal listener, Doug, but a stat man legend, Bill Chuck. His Twitter handle is Billy Ball. And Bill asks, you ready for this? Who is the only Yankee to wear the same uniform number as Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, and Alex Rodriguez. So, oh, wow. oh my God. Uh, this is uh, obviously a trick question, and not to mention an impossible question. I, I've tried to reason it through in my head. Uh, A-Rod wore number 13 with the Yankees. Yep. He did wear number three in Seattle and Texas. Uh, the Babe obviously was number three with the Yankees. Mantle obviously number seven. Yep. Uh, the Babe and Mantle have their numbers retired. So... I mean, clearly, this has to be somebody who wore those numbers before Ruth's number got retired, which means he played like 80, 90 years ago. And even after I've reasoned all this out, I have no idea (laughs) who the hell this could be. I know it happened before Twitter. I know that. Do you have any idea, Doug? Any? Oh, my gosh. I mean, number three. I mean, is is there a possible like a manager or something crazy? a coach or something. Anything's you know, possible. Seven. When, so when do they retire these numbers? I, um, he did say I mean, the only Yankee. He did say only Yankee player. Yeah. Yeah, it said only yeah, Yankee. That's the thing. Uh, 40s, 30s. You know, I, I'm drawing a blank in the 20s. I don't know when they retired numbers. I guess they retired Ruth the day he gave that speech, right? So when was that? He died, so I, I don't know. I, like, whatever. We're Willie not going to get this right. Let's, let's bring Willie Randolph or something. No chance of Willie Randolph. It's way before him. All right, let's bring Cam in, Mayor Cam. Uh, congratulations on your mayorhood. Now give us the answer to this thing. I, am I going to get a guess from you at all, Jason? No, not at all. Doug was brave enough to do so. <laughs> Frank, Frank Rossetti. Frank Rossetti. I don't know. No. Uh, I don't know if this will help you guys out at all, but he is the pride of Sutherland, Nebraska. He debuted oh, that's a good in hint. 1948. <laughs> okay. Professional debut really? in 1948. Oh, okay. So so this is like Jackie Robinson. That He played in the World Series. That era. How long did he play? Uh, 48. About four or five years. Three. 
he, so he wore number three when he first like got to the big Bill Terry or and something? Then he had to switch numbers when Ruth's number got retired. I love how you're trying to reason um, through this, Jason. I, I love how you're trying to connect all the threads. Uh, Casey Stengel. All right, here we go. Cliff Mapes. Yeah. Cliff Mapes. Cliff Mapes. <laughs> Outfielder, debuted in 1948, last game 1952, the pride <laughs> of Sutherland, Nebraska. <laughs> all right, and what, so when did he wear these numbers? You, have this, any, you don't have this information I, for I us? I really don't. Uh you know, like I know, like I know, being mayor is really minor a leagues, tough job. Listen, the minor I, I'm trying to uphold the integrity as mayor of Starkville. <laughs> I may not be able to do it as great as Mayor Zuri, who we will have on to give a proper send off to, mind you. Uh, but I'm yeah, trying he, my best. I will say real quick, Jason, uh, that Mister Bill Chuck said, "Hey, it was a pleasure, and thank Jason for thinking of me." How about that humble gentleman? That's incredible. <laughs> Giving us a question that stumped you guys, and then saying thank you for letting me stump you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we should be thanking him for asking <laughs> the Cliff Mapes question. Yeah, we needed like a so phonetic. We, all... we needed like to do it phonetically or rhyming game. Yeah. We gotta have a better shot at that, or, or like great you know, char- charades, Cliff like apples, <laughs> apes, maple yeah. syrup. Yeah, that, that yeah. I might have gotten it. Oh wow! Yeah, that okay. Bill, you can ask questions in the future. I know you've been dying to get your question on our, on our podcast, but you, you got to give us a shot, pal, or else we're going to cut you off. You know, like our, like the former mayor of Starkville tried to flee into the night, Zuri. You know, but but we're we're tracking him down. He's we're going to bring him back. You can't escape Starkville that easy, and you nope. can't ask us another Cliff Mapes question. Okay, so uh, now that we got that established. Uh, part of the deal with these reader questions is we don't just do what we just did, get the question wrong. We use it as an opportunity to talk about just some idea that this question inspires. Here's my idea, Doug. Uh, since this is a question about Yankee legends, uh, this is the question that I think can grow out of this. October, I feel like, is a time when stars are born. And, you know, Glaber Torres should already have been a star, but is it now official that he, he like his time as a star has arrived? In that twin series, almost a fourteen hundred OPS, a homer, four extra base hits, a steal, uh, incredible athleticism in the field. So since we're re- we're talking about all these retired numbers, not a rods, but other retired Yankee numbers, here's my question for you, Doug. Yeah. Will Glaber Torres someday have his number 25 retired by the Yankees? Yes or no? Wow. You know, why not? I, I mean, I mean, I'll say yes. He's just he's just getting better. I didn't see <clears throat> I didn't see the uh the 40 home run capability that he's, you know, displaying here. I knew he had to pop, but man, I mean, this guy is so dangerous. Middle of the order guy, skill position. Uh, yeah, I mean, why not? It, it, there's well, there's all the single digits are kind of gone, right? <clears throat> they're they're the number two Jeter. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that's going to happen. So, are there any left? Um, so Torres will you know, twenty years from now, if he continues at this pace, absolutely, they'll probably have some championships to go with it too. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I agree on all of that. Um, Glaber Torres is. I mean, we're going to look up real soon and say. This guy's one of the great, most talented Yankees of modern times and one of the most talented players 
in the sport. And they traded him for Aroldis Chapman, who is now yep. his teammate. Worked out yeah. well. <laughs> right. Very well. Now, yeah, now next week, this question could come from you. All you have to do is submit a trivia question. You can do it via Twitter or you can do it via email. Uh, then Mayor Cam will pick the question. We'll get it wrong. We'll do it again. Uh, let's tell you how to do this. If you want to submit it via email, we now have an inbox. Starkville with an E at theathletic.com. Or if you want to tweet it, either of us, uh, my Twitter handle is at Jason ST. That's Jason with a Y, ST. Doug, how can they find you? Very easy. At my full name, Doug Glanville. So at D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Hit me on Twitter. Right. And just hashtag those questions with the hashtag Starkville with an E, Q-S. And that's going to do it for Starkville for some of you. But if you're an athletic subscriber, you can keep on listening over at the athletic app or website. And if you would like to be an athletic subscriber, and of course you would, uh, just go find that link you first clicked on to find us. It'll get you 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. You won't regret it. For those of you who are leaving us, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Starkville.